Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Juan Chi of the band Zeta. We talked about Mars Volta's debut album, Deloused in the Comatorium. We also talked about revisiting what defined us as kids and seeing how it informs us now. Zeta released their new album, Toto by Larlo, in April via Skeletal Lightning. Check that out wherever you stream music and pick up a copy from the band. I don't really think I need to say that, but buying merch direct from a band really sincerely helps. So much more than streaming. So please do that. Alright, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Please subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more and get an exclusive episode every week. Also, like I've said in previous weeks, please check out your local abortion access funds. I'd recommend donations, the number four, abortion.com. Can really use it in the world right now. Once again, donations for abortion.com. Okay, no delays. Had a great chat. So let's talk to Juan. Hey Juan, how's it going? Everything good. Happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, I'm so happy to talk with you. We're actually talking about Mars Volta's first record, Deloused in the Comatorium. That came out in 2003 and it was co-produced by Rick Rubin. And what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard Mars Volta or this record? Well, um... I've always been a nerd for weird music. Mm-hmm. The most uh, weird it can get, it always, I have to at least listen to it once. Maybe I don't stick with it, but I try to um, always look for weird stuff and just check around blogs and whatnot. And um, I remember one day I was in a rehearsal place of some friends from back home. They had like a metal Latin band with percussions, but mm-hmm. very metal. Yeah. Um, they were called Prozac Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the singer showed me the video of at the drive-in one-armed Caesar. Oh, right? Okay. Yeah. And so... I was like so so um, um intricate by it because I already knew Fugazi and I was into Refuse too and so you know I was kind of like touching a little bit of that vibe but with a weird thing going on and um started trying to find more stuff and it's like oh these these people are uh Latinos and so exciting you know they're just like me and um, I was kind of hyped on it, and then it ended, and, you know, there were a lot of blogs around just the mysteriousness yeah. of it, right? Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, they started, like, talking about the Mars Volta, the Mars Volta, the Mars Volta, and uh, the record came out, I think, like... Um, first of January or something. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it wasn't a whole hyped. I started listening to it, and that was the actual time that I, that I started playing with Danny. Okay. And uh, at the beginning, we just got together to play like Blink One Eighty Two songs. Yeah. Uh, Danny knew a couple of Deftones songs. Uh, I remember him like detuning. <laughs> every time just in between songs uh but we were like i don't know i was like 15 danny was like 12 yeah um 13 maybe i don't know uh and so the mars volta the rumor was just out there and close to my birthday that same year they had a live presentation in the MTV Awards from Latin America. Uh There was like an... Just exactly like the MTV Music Awards. Yeah. But like a Latinx version of it. Uh And um, they play there. And so during the red carpet or whatnot, they will ask... A lot of Latinx uh, artists, what are, what are you excited for tonight? And they were like, the Mars Volta, the Mars Volta. And so it was this whole hype. And then they played the craziest show. Um, Cedric kind of like grabs some glasses from somebody in the audience and put it. <laughs> it's like crazy yeah, yeah. thing. He walks on top of the other artists in the seats and stuff and um by that by that time i was like already like okay i'm i'm full fan of this and this album was the only thing really out there from there so it kind of i i kind of listened to it a lot in that moment of life that i was starting say to not knowing that i wanted to really do Seda and in a super official way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the good years. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, where you just get together, just have fun. You don't have any expectations. So I think not just the album represents a moment for Latin artists and music, but also makes me go back to that time of like just starting high school and yeah getting together to just jam you know yeah that's like a crazy thing to think back on even just with like playing music in like the current band i'm in that i've been in for you know many years uh it's just like how kind of low the expectations were it was like yeah you know like one of my first bands ever it was like if we could just like record music just like burn a cd then that would be enough like and then it was like then we did it then we'd always forget to like bring that cd to shows and we're like if we could just make hats and we never did but we were like if we could just make like trucker hats we'd be the coolest band you know it's just like (laughs) those kind of levels that were just like you know we've we've all collectively like blown past them but it's like to think like you're like, oh, I'll just 
learn this Blink-182 cover or I'll learn, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's it's all, everything's cool. It's all new yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So those time frames are, you know, super important, you know. Yeah. I remember by that time we, Danny and me got together uh, and overnight we drafted like four demos. Mm-hmm. And then we stayed up all night doing them. And then at, in the morning, we'd listen to them. And we we looked at each other. We're like, we, let's just delete this <laughs> <laughs> and call it. And so, you know, it was just like we were so available to just hang and just be there for the sake of being there with you know, nothing was like um really serious, you know. Yeah. Um Yeah, I that's what it, it makes me think of, you know, just that time. And um also that year period we started doing the covers but then eventually started doing our own stuff. Um it was way more adjusted to that time frame so it was way slower probably more grunchy kind of agro grunge yeah um we like deftones and we i like the mars bolt a lot and so um and weird stuff like that so there there was always like uh just trying to use delays or weird stuff or uh, so I don't know I kind of like I feel that album um, and that other album that I talked to you about the Blink-182 yeah, yeah. self-title yeah. they are from the same year it's that year that all started kind of mm-hmm. so it's yeah. it's it's a very cool period yeah. of time yeah, and so when did Zeta officially begin? Would it have been that year? Yeah, that year we we played probably like 10 shows in the entire year. Um, the first one we probably played just covers, and then yeah. the second one we had a one original song, and then more and more and more. By the end of that year... We were only playing original tunes, and um, that was it, you know? But it was still like a friend band mm-hmm. until way later. We were maybe half into college and um, in, 2000, in 2008, we went out of Venezuela to play to open up for Combat Kid. Yeah. It's just crazy thing that happened. Um, we we moved to Caracas. We're, we're mm-hmm. from a little coastal town called uh, Puerto La Cruz. Mm-hmm. But then we moved to Caracas to study in like the, the colleges that had like the things that we wanted. Right? So I I tried to do like music production and I also tried film. I couldn't really end anything. Yeah. 
but I moved there to, you know, just be with uh, the artsy communities yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. And um, we started hanging in this rehearsal space that we met, made a lot of friends. And it was in this uh, friend's house. His name is Marcel. He ended up producing a bunch of our albums. And kind of like the the most like tight band um, was these friends called Discord. Mm-hmm. They used to play like hardcore and stuff. Oh, okay. And um, they were offered this show and they said yes. But then at the very end, they couldn't make it. And so they asked us one day, and um, it was really close to the date, and we said yes, yeah. without knowing how we could <laughs> go there, but we made it. And uh, I think Danny was like 17th at the moment, or something like that, probably 18th. Um, we went and opened up for them and saw an entire world of punk and hardcore and screamo and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, wow, there's a lot of people like us. Because back home, we were just a tiny group of kids, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like the first look into, into that community and having a sense of like, oh, there's like a punk scene or something happening. And then in uh, 2009, we went to Argentina to tour by ourselves. That's like the first tour experience outside of Venezuela. And after that tour, we were all in. At least Danny and me, we knew like, this is it, you know? Yeah. So I guess like with touring... We dropped college that that year. Yeah. So with touring, would you just kind of get whoever else to kind of like fill in in the band since it was, was it just you and Danny? Well, at the moment we were still the origin, kind of like the original, uh, three people that started the band. It was Mm -hmm. Danny, me and a drummer. Uh, his name is Hector. Mm -hmm. Um, we just added a fourth member, um, his his name is Ricardo. He's a great friend. Um, they're both great friends. Um, eventually, things started getting weird in the country. And first, Ricardo uh, left to study in UK, and uh, then not that much time after the drummer also uh didn't left but decided dedicate him fully to uh, an engineer career like mechanical uh engineering or something and um you know we at first we were called said that 11 yeah and then we just they're really showing the blink when you and then we were like let's just take the 11 out and it's like half of the band left and we just stay with the set apart yeah and uh 
some other people joined and you know uh after that things got way more messy with the just like the political situation and more people left so at a certain point we were just the two of us we did one year of a tour just the two of us too mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was playing bass and Danny the drums, and it was really cool. We both singing, and um, we went to a bunch of countries that year. Actually, we even went to Peru, Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico. It was really cool. Um, and then you know we started finding people, and then we moved here. Some people didn't have visas, so they couldn't come, and then we find other people. So it's kind of been Danny and me. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so really, I guess, since that moment of, like, yeah. playing Blink-182 covers and uh, listening to Mars Volta yeah, now, like, almost <laughs> yeah. 20 years later. And other stuff, too. We were really... We really liked Deftones at that time. Yeah. Um, we always liked kind of like not what all of our friends liked mm -hmm. yeah. um before that i remember playing bass in like metal bands mm -hmm. and every time somebody will talk of blink they will get super like oh that's not music yeah yeah i was like but i really like them yeah. I, you know i always wanted to play like i had a purple bass And I will just listen to that music, but there was a lot of metal friends in high school, so I ended up playing in bands that would cover Sepultura or oh, okay. yeah. stuff like that, um, which is cool too. Yeah, yeah. But I always had that just that need of hearing something more melodic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with really anything but i feel like for some reason when i was a kid i it was like i looked at i would always like pick kind of like pick one band like i would listen to the other band but i would be like this is going to be my favorite band yeah. <laughs> you know and then yeah. I, i i did that with like i was like oh i'm going to be a blink 182 guy as opposed to a green day guy yeah. no one asked me to pick you know no, <laughs> like no, i didn't have know, to choose, I understand. but i was like i was like i'm gonna be a blink 182 guy i mean it's just probably what i liked more, yeah yeah but i'd be like that's my allegiance yeah you know <laughs> like no like, totally so, so i kind of uh, get it and then yeah people would do the same thing to me just kind of like oh they're not real pop punk you know or you know they're sellouts you know yeah so you're just like well but talking like about it. sellouts i I've, i'm reading the book of that sellout book by uh danosi yeah and, um they have both green day and bling 182 and they also have uh At the drive-in. Yeah, I got it over there. Oh, you, you got it too? <laughs> That's nice. a good book. Yeah, yeah. I am... I just finished At the drive-in. I started reading it a long time ago, and then in the Oakland thing, it got stolen. Oh, okay. And uh, Marshall, which is our friend that it's managing, Seda from Montgomery Drive. I don't know if oh, you yeah, ever... Oh, yeah, I've heard. Yeah. Um... He sent me his. He's like, I finished it. I'll give it to you. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think, like, 
going from the at the drive-in chapter into like Mars Volta, you know, so it's like, okay, so the band broke up. Yeah. Uh, then they went into Mars Volta and it's like, other than sonically, like, what do you feel like changed from at the drive-in to Mars Volta? Was it, do you feel like a lot of it was just like with Jim Ward leaving? I think that's his name. The guy that went on the Sparta. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to like, you know, think it's like, I guess they just wanted to play something, you know, different or like yeah. if you have insight. To... Well, I think, you know, they, when they broke up at the drive-in, they were like six months or something like that into releasing their uh, Masterpiece album. Yeah. Um. So I'm... I'm guessing, you know, all of the context that they made and resources and skills they learned about the business, mm -hmm. not just the musical part, but the business of it, I think they put all of that into the next thing. You know, relationship in command, it's produced by Ross Robinson, which he, at the time was doing like corn and Yeah, Slipknot and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, he was like the guy for Yeah. And know. then they jumped into doing this co production with Rick Rubin. So Yeah. And after going through the Beastie Boys help and a bunch of other people, um And then I remember the Mars Volta also, not straight from the beginning, but later on where like playing with, I don't know, like Chili Peppers. and Yeah, like this record has like Flea plays bass on this record because I think right before, right before they recorded it, uh, their bass player left and so... Which uh, is, I think, the person that it's playing with them in this yeah, reunion. Yeah, yeah. which is interesting because, I mean, the first bass player left before even the first album came out, but now with the reunion all these years later, you know, like, is... Nostalgia. Like, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is very cool. Yeah. Um, it makes you think, and sometimes you find... The right people, but not the right time. Mm -hmm. um, when we met Eduardo, which is the drummer mm -hmm. on Seta right now, um, he used to play in a different band. We were in the emo core era, yeah. right? We didn't knew if to call it Screamo just yet. And um, he played in a different band. And I... I feel in for that band for a month or something because their uh, guitar player had to travel or something. And uh, I met Eduardo, went to his house, played together, and it was really cool, like a cold chemistry. And then that band died, and he dedicated himself to play other things, cumbia and uh, more just Caribbean things. Mm -hmm. I think he played in a kind of like reggae ska band and 
um, a very weird, like, polka ska band. He played, too, like, for a year. They were very big in Venezuela. And so we kind of, like, split parts. Um, but stay friends with that group of people of that rehearsal space that I talked about. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day we're about to live in a tour. We didn't have a drummer. Danny was feeling the drums, so he really wanted to play guitar. And um, Eduardo's brother told us, like, hey, Eduardo's coming here. He's trying to do the uh, career as a drummer. And we talked to him the very first day. We asked him if he wanted to come on a three-month tour. Um But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes you find people, you have a lot of chemistry, it's just not the time for it. Mm -hmm. And then later, just life is crazy and you end up really playing together and discovering more about that chemistry. And um, I guess that could be something that happened to them. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess like the parallels with you know, with this record and, well, I actually, I was re-listening to, well, the first uh, Zeta record, I guess it's the first one on streaming. I I'm, I know you've been a band for a while, so mm-hmm. I'm like, was there was there albums before what you have on streaming or was that your first record? Um, we had a couple of demos. Okay, demos. And, you know, they maybe looked like an EP, but very just like house recorded yeah demos or or like just that rehearsal recorded stuff like that so we don't really i don't even have <laughs> yeah those recordings right now um so i think you know our, our official first album just us said that without the 11 yeah yeah it's the that first one that we have for streaming, which is named Aedo, or can say Haido, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was right after we went to that Argentina thing. Yeah. We came up so inspired that we needed to really do an actual album which a con- with a concept from a time frame. Because before we... We were doing songs that were, like, from the beginning. Some others, like, we did, like, last month type of thing. And then for that one, our friend from the studio was like, you should just get together and create something now. And just forget about all of that. And uh, we did with that album. It's one of the we we only have two albums that we try to um, have songs in English. Mm-hmm. That's one of those. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a thing. <laughs> it yeah. was a it was a tough thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you think like because uh, like thinking of kind of the stylistic shift from that record to now? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like Mars Volta is like something you keep going back to sonically, like kind of go back to that well? 
Well, yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I and I love this question. Um, I I think the Mars Volta influence it's coming directly from me. Danny was always had like other like a different vision, right? So with Danny, bands that we explored together were always more deep. Like I remember we got into a phase of a lot of buzz rock. Mm -hmm. um, so with him was always kind of to that side of things. And he's also very good at listening to um, hip hop, pop, yeah, other stuff, right? Um, but I kind of bring that energy into it. But before, I never played guitar in the band until our album Magia Infinita. I was not really. I used to record sometimes, like, if, mm -hmm. hey, can I record these yeah, arrangements? So well, They'll yeah, be yeah. like, yeah, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so when I grabbed the guitar, I started to really bring that for things that helped me uh, grow as a musician, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of came back to that. And also... Our albums had become pretty much a footprint of what we're living, right? So with the other guys, they had more metal influences. Yeah. And um, then started to shift into other people, right? And so right now, this last album that we've put out that is not necessarily the loudest it's not in a very like outside perspective it's not the craziest in an inside perspective for us it is the craziest because mm -hmm. it's the only album that we've questioned like let's not use a DB rhythm in the entire mm -hmm. album for the first time let's yeah, not yeah. use a breakdown let's loop this rhythm so um I don't know. I think we've tried to discover the soundtrack of what we were listening growing up. And each album is trying to express more and more our real identity. Yeah. So with this last album, the first song is 2003. Mm -hmm. And then the next song, it gets more modern, modern we explore all of our story through it, kind of. So, you know, it had to be there because they were such a corner store, cornerstone for Latinx music, especially in the rock side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It had to be there, you know. In order for us to be really honest with the music that made us do music, something like that you know yeah yeah i get it i think there's like comes a point where it's like you know i've, I've really tried to discover um 
when I actually sit down and write songs. But like, just kind of like, who am I without like even thinking about like, how am I going to play a part? Like, what's my personality that shines through, you know, and then just try and embrace that. Like Mm -hmm. kind of the natural thing that comes out of me without being like, oh, I got to create this riff. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I feel like it's going to go in a certain way, but just kind of like let it be. And I feel like there's a lot of that with the new zeta record and i feel that a lot in this mars volta record it's like it doesn't really matter if this part is whatever kind of genre it's just it's just kind of like what is let it go in the direction that it feels like it wants to go yeah i the first song of the album has a huge similarity to uh that drawn shape of latterns song in the the mars volta album because that's the sound of that time. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it kind of opens up as a way of honoring that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, for instance, now that I've, I've been doing TikTok for the band, which is the only social media that I never touched, uh, Marshall, the manager, just he was like, you have to, you have to try it, just give it a try. I try it, you know, and I started looking at other friends that are doing a good job. They they had success with it. And I looked at the Flagman, it's this Florida band. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very weird. They sound like, kind of like Mr. Bungle and Primus. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, if you like Mr. Bungle and Primus, check this out, right? Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I'll... Everybody, every time we play, people get crazy. It's like, oh, it reminded me of the Mars Volta. Sometimes the the sound person, when we stop or when we finish our set, in the in-between music is the Mars Volta. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, yeah, looking yeah, at yeah. us like so excited. I'm like, I should embrace this. Yeah. So I was like, if you like the Mars Volta, um, you should check us out. And uh, a lot of people started connecting. New people that I've never met in my life. Um, But then this one comment like, I don't like copycats type of thing. I was like, well, you know, it's, it's free. You can totally have that uh, yeah. opinion. But we're not really trying to copy anyone. We're just trying to tell the story of who we are. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. And ultimately, music, it's... It's already there. We're just channeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's, like, an interesting thing. Like, sometimes I like the idea of it's, like let's say like black flag or something is your favorite band like if you truly listen to like the changes they make as a band then you should almost like not sound anything like them you know like because i feel like influence in a way a lot of that sst stuff like uh any of that era we'll just keep using black flag i feel like they kind of told you that like you can do whatever you know and i think that's that went over into bands like Mars Volta. And so when I hear things like Mars Volta, I'm like, oh, you can, I can just be whatever I want to be. Like, yeah. 
people are going to go ahead and label me like copycat or they're going to be like, you're this type of band. But like, I don't have to constantly like try and be the type of band that people pigeonhole me yeah. into being. Like if people were like, oh, I'm in a grunge band, you know, it's like, what does that even really mean? You know, like so many of the grunge bands sounded completely different. Like Soundgarden yeah, sounded really true. nothing like Nirvana and Pearl Jam sounded nothing like any of them. So yeah. it's like, you don't, you know, I, I so I think that's what's interesting about y'all's new record and even what Mars Volta. It's like you listen to something, you listen to how it influences you, but you just kind of go, I see what you did. I'm kind of going to go this way. And yeah. I, I feel that a lot with the record. So I can yeah. hear it. Uh, but like, I don't, it's like, I would in no, no way say that's all, that's all y'all were doing. So that, I'm saying that comment, that's all yeah. I'm like, they're not listening. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought, well, I could, I could say something about it, but what you're telling me, it's already showing me that you are not really checking out anything else. You just read what I, um, the little letters of the TikTok video and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we, we have many layers. The, the other guys, I think they get bored of people comparing them. Mm -hmm. Um, I found it funny, you know, I know exactly what they mean. And I like, the things that I like, so it's cool. Um, but we also have some other shades of things. I feel like this last album is not a super sad album. You know, it's it's kind of like uplifting most of the times. Yeah. It's like a celebration. Yeah. yeah. Danny, I think... Uh, he really blossomed in this album, sing in a lot of songs. Um, it was not like before. It's not like he couldn't before or he wa weren't allowed to it. I guess he was just a little bit more shy with that uh, side. So um, it's a cool thing because we've shifted a bunch of the roles. Some some songs, it's just me and the guitar. Mm -hmm. And Danny's just singing or playing keys and singing and doing some other stuff. Um, he really, he's really good with like sound design. So now uh, we're using a sampler and there's a bunch of things and sound of horns and voices and uh, kind of like samples of just weird stuff. And um, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, I like that idea where you, how we all are using the samplers because I feel like there's bands that I think of whenever they start using things like samplers, they're like, they're just sampler band. That's like yeah. all it is. And that yeah. takes over everything. And it's like, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But I love it whenever it's just like, we're going to use this to kind of like build on the framework that we already have. Yeah. And like, it's just going to add more to it. It's not going to be like all sampler all the time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's like such a neat thing to kind of like add those textures in there that yeah. people tell you aren't like 
always rock music, you know? And so, and that's something like in the last like two years, like when the pandemic happened, I was just like, you know, just listening to certain stuff that I hadn't like spent a lot of time, let's say like thou and like body. And then even like, you know, like more progressive kind of bands outside of that. And just kind of like the differences, even with like the body, how different they are, like record to record. And then like the collaboration stuff they do. And thou did the stuff, you know, with Emma Ruth Rundle. And it was just like, I don't sound anything like these bands when I play music, but it's just telling me that I can play whatever I want. And if I still want to call it the same thing, like it's on you yeah that's you know and so i feel like then seeing y'all because you know i was lucky to hear kind of early uh kind of late you know later mixes of the record before it came out and i was just like this is still so zeta but i'm like so happy that they're just like you know kind of pushing it outside of what probably you know even the times i had seen zeta like before that yeah you know i was like this is a growth you know, to be able to like grow within your sound is like, thank you. Such I, a neat. I appreciate thing. these yeah. words. I, you know, I wanted to make a, um, just a little, um, explanation with you said the pandemic and we have been having this ongoing joke and we feel that new album, uh, it's, it's 100% a pandemic album. It's yeah. a quarantine. Uh, we there are so many layers because we were just separated and we were sending stuff to each other. Chino sent the drums and percussions and little things and shakers, and then Danny added Danny style, just created a whole atmosphere of things. Um, I recorded it through tiny amps, big amps, no amps, whatever we could think of, and we were sending that to the producer, which is our friend Brock. And um, we recorded scenes for the first time. Um, now that I'm uh, closer to Lisa, all of that had come to, to the table. Just electronic scenes, uh, just vocals, that are way different and, and well done. Yeah. yeah. Um, Claudio also bring a, a bunch of stuff because of Lisa and, you know, we kind of like make so many universes and um, we wanted to create this big band sound for this album. We don't know if that's the sound that we're going to pursue. Um, at its core, Seda is just four people. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, we've been having a lot of fun playing just the four of us and figuring out how to feel those spaces. Yeah. And I think we, now that the album is out, it's when we really completely understand it. And what we're making now is... I think the direction that we're going to go. So I think, you know, it's definitely going to have more. It's going to bring back more rock elements mm-hmm. and raw parts and changes. There are not uh, talked 
and written in, in that way, but more like just with feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, we already have a couple of ideas and I'm excited. You know, I'm, I think this album opened a door to explore something really beautiful and we're going to take all of that and take all of the other things from the past and just merge that, you know? Yeah, I like that idea of uh, when bands like y'all are doing, like it's like your recording is kind of one thing and then when you see the band, it's like a different version of it in a way, even, you know, and I love that though because I think sometimes people, you know, if they, they load up all these other sounds on their record and then they're like, oh, we gotta, we have to have all these people to be able to do it. Yeah. And it's like, you don't really you just you know it's like if you can accomplish it in a different way like that's what you got to do i've seen like like i'm thinking of a band i don't know if you know a band called tenement but it's like a lot of their recordings like they'll they were adding more and more on it but like a lot of times live it'd be it was always a three-piece you know and so it's like recording can be like its own thing yeah. you know like you know recording itself can be like its own instrument in a way yeah that you're not just like we have only you know because i feel like speaking from my experience like we'd be like we have three people in the band so the record has to kind of sound like that you know so i assume like you know even thinking about like earlier zeta records it's like these are the like four people you know so it's got to kind of like sound like that but mm-hmm. with the new record it's like you know, we'll kind of figure it out after yeah. the fact. And yeah, I mean, and you did, but you know, that's, I think that's such a fun way to approach recording Yeah, that personally, I never really thought to do until not that long ago. Yeah. And I, for us, it was that quarantine thing. Yeah. You know, we were like, what are we going to do with this? Like, a, you know, should we just call it? Are we going to ever play live again? Where are we going to do it? So by like half of the pandemic, I started digging into these recordings that we had of us playing percussion, all of us at the same time. And it kind of like came together. We had other songs that were more four piece type of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And we still have them. It's just these songs together just were so cohesive, you know? Yeah. And um, I've had... There's also a very interesting thing that we're kind of like entering in. Our albums are starting to turn 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of like cycling back to some stuff. And... The next year, it's it's the album that in Latin America kind of connects us the most to the community. And it's our most like punk, noisy album. So I'm, I don't know if that's gonna, in, in my personal regard, it, it does affect me and it brings me to that mindset. And I'm kind of like, I was listening to it today, just driving. I was like, want to play some of these songs yeah yeah yeah. but just play it with the conscience of this other thing that we just did um a very important thing about this new album todo bailarlo is it's leaving the idea of controlling something 
and being very open to just leave the other person talk and then do the thing, you know? For for the first time, we weren't the ones drafting the drums, for instance. Mm -hmm. The entire album, the drums are just Eduardo on its own. Um, we had rhythms. We, we kind of like, in a notepad, we wrote like 17 different rhythms from South America and the Caribbean Sea. And we were like, let's do this. And we had some just very easy structures. We, normally we do a very just complex changes and stuff and metrics and whatnot. But for this one, we weren't trying to do that. We were just like, let's get into this vibe. Let's do loud, soft, fast. And that's it. Stuff like that. So that was the the way of approaching the songs and I don't know it was very liberating yeah. but it was also scary One, yeah. once it was done it was like if we put this out it's so different it might um, make us feel away or something you know mm -hmm. um, some old school fans were like this is not you guys and we're like well it's not title as just us so it can be many things you know we're not bound to just one thing and yeah we have plenty of time still we're not rushing into this is our masterpiece or you know we're we don't have that it mindset to just experiment as it comes and mm -hmm. Yeah, like, and also those, you know, other records you did are still there for those fans, you know, yeah. like, and like you just said, like, you'll write more music and, you know, maybe it'll be like more aggressive again. It's just kind of like you got to go where the kind of heart tells you to go and yeah. kind of like who your authentic self at that period is and listen to that. And, yeah. you know, so yeah, so maybe, maybe the next one will be like, the really loud record but you know with this album of the mars vault that we were talking about it takes me back to times like that like we were playing blink and then mm -hmm. a deftone song like we didn't have to define a, any identity and i think the future is also kind of like that now there's a way of also standing and saying i'm undefined yeah and that's who i am and it's it's interesting having that in music too you know like i'm just here to give you my momentum and you know it might be good or bad who knows but it's mine and it's 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 nice yeah everything doesn't have to like fit into like a binary or be like the yeah. same thing at the same time i mean we could say that with you know, like people, you know, it's like people change or like people want to define themselves how they feel comfortable. So musically, yeah. it's like, that's what's funny. It's like for the music scene sometimes, and I've been caught in this so many times, it's like as much as we're like telling, you know, each other and like, we'll say like punk and quotes kind of thing, like this community, you're welcome here. 
But a lot of times as a musician, you know, I'm still writing like the most square kind of music or I'm kind of telling myself like it has to be this way. Yeah. And that's not really the mindset that we're trying to do socially. So like why, you know, it's like if we're trying to be open minded as a culture, you know, and things, but we're we're just. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I really admire um objectiveness and simplicity in projects. Yeah. Um with say that it's it's such a passionate project that it just touches so many different things. But in other stuff, like I have solo stuff that is just fall punk and um I love that. I you know I I also love the reason why I met Randy was because I was in a Bomb the Music Industry show. Okay. I really like that too. Yeah. And you know, I I I love when someone is like very honest and simple and and give it to you in in the words they can. Yeah. You know, like not with this like super complicated way, but just like this is who I am, you know, yeah. and I love that too. Yeah. Um, I think we have that in our humor a lot. We can't, we can do very complex music sometimes. And there's passages that are like very, um, just, just load with a bunch of things, emotions and sounds and stuff and rhythms and whatnot. But we can also be like, like that Bling 182 type of attitude, you know, like not to take everything super seriously all the time, you know. Um, I think that's very present in all of us in the band. We're always laughing when we're with each other. We're not really super um, all the time, like like complex or, you know, we, we have our moments in which we touch certain aspects of life and and we get passionate and deep and but we also celebrate you know and i don't know it's yeah it's interesting do you think something about like because you were telling me before like you all officially moved here in like 2015 right around that time yeah um do you think like kind of moving away from home kind of almost made a side of home like come out in your music that wasn't like there as totally. much you know i don't i feel like that was like a simple question 100 100 percent yeah. yeah. we i think two things happened first just the nostalgic feeling of mm-hmm. not being there and remembering everything through yeah a like kind of romantic... tying it back to the yeah. mars volta and stuff like just remembering things very just from a very romantical like romantic just idea of things right like Mm -hmm. just like i remember this but you looked at it and maybe it was not that way but in your memory it's just like a dream and you only see the good things and just remember those moments and that music start going there not not just rock music like the mars walta but also like Things that our parents will listen to. A lot of things that our parents will listen to are in our music now. 
You and you don't feel like it was like you, like when you were growing up. Do you feel like you pushed against it? Like you're I like, that's run for, from that's for my parents. You know, yeah. like, like for me when I was a kid, like it was my dad would play Neil Young all the time, and I was just like, oh, Neil Young. And then I hit a certain age, and it's like what I listen to all the time now. But it's like you just kind of like you don't even really explore it, or just not the time. Like we were saying before, like it's like yeah, I I know. think you know all of that Latin jazz music is it's 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 complex and it's very it's known for being like difficult music. So we were more more into punk rock and just trying to be loud and fast and um, I guess we now that we understand the instrument that we have a little bit more, then we can allow ourselves to go back and revisit things and so go. Oh, this is made this way, and. Um, so that was one part. And then the other part is when we got here, we started making friends again. And we got to connect to the porn rock scene and fest and all of that. But that's more like our day-to-day when we tour. Mm-hmm. But then when we go to the day job and when we go to the normal just life outside of the touring experience... We connected way more with people that were from where we were, you know, yeah. and people that speak Spanish. And most of these people are not, we were the weirdos down there. So, you know, with them, we will listen to more honoring the culture type of music, right? Mm-hmm. And you start like liking it. And it's it's the catalyst to merge and commute with other people. Like for instance, with Lisa and Claudio, mm-hmm. the things that we had in common is the cultural part. Then when we get to the punk, I think Claudio used to play more heavy stuff, but um, but it's not really like we're not gonna like. Do you remember this screamo band? It's like no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never listened to it, but if you go like, oh, do you remember this Hector Lavoe song? It's like, oh yeah, my dad, you know, blah blah. blah. So um, I think those two things happen: being very melancholic and hanging with people from our communities here, and just having that other. Not just your parent or your uncle being like, you should listen to this, but your friend being like, listen to this song. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's not really the same at all, but like my connection to it is just like when I moved from the town I lived in to like to here, like in like 2006, I grew up on the coast in Wilmington, North Carolina and moved to Charlotte. And kind of like, I knew some of the people that lived here and I kind of like expected to like, these are probably going to be my friends. And then you move and it's like, you can't really choose your friends. You kind of fall in with different people and you Mm -hmm. kind of get to a point where you're like, you feel like you're trying to force these relationships with people. And they're, you know, they're fine people, like the people you meet at Fest and 
mm-hmm. you know, whatnot. But then like, it's like that idea of like who becomes your community. Yeah. You know, it's like, I guess back to the authentic authenticity thing that we're talking about. Like, it's just, you kind of like turn off the, like where I want to exist and you're like where I should exist. Yeah. Is like a thing, you know, that becomes really important. Like as you get older, it's like, yeah. you have to kind of, you know, I've started to try and turn off the brain of like, oh, if I hang out here, it'll be cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. they're like, if I hang out here, I'll feel good. Yeah. And these will be the people that I need to spend my time with. So, yeah. you know, I am kind of projecting myself That's onto totally that. True. But, yeah. That's totally true. It's totally true. You don't really choose who's going to become your friend. And, um, you know, when we started here, we were just, and anywhere that you move because it's not just internationally mm-hmm. um you kind of like start hanging first with people that you work with and then some of the their friends and stuff like that or people that are near to you somehow and um it's interesting because the fact that we were here we were more open to the experience because we we wanted to belong, you know? We wanted yeah. to be part of something. Um, which is also something that feels way easier saying it now than before. Yeah. You know? when, when you're a kid, you have to put up with so many things that you're not able to just access vulnerability just like that. And be like, oh, I want to be part of something. I feel lonely. Yeah. You know? When you're in high school, you're not probably going to say that out loud. Just like that. But but when you're an adult, that's that's it. You know? You're you're 30 or, or almost 30. And you're working in a kitchen with a bunch of people. They end up being your family. Yeah. And you want to bond over things or music, film, you know? And so I think that happened to us. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What I want to like kind of go back to, and I know we've kind of uh, gone around with Mars Volta stuff, but actually what I want to go back to is thinking about like what were those kind of tour circuits like in Venezuela when you started? Like how was that different than here or is it, more similar than I realized. Um, there's similarities. Okay. Um, for instance, the people that tour, goes to shows, listens to to music that is made by radical-minded people are kind of very similar. The struggle, the hustle, the conversations, the political ideas are kind of like the same. It's the same heart. It doesn't, which is a cool thing about touring, that you realize geopolitics are very confusing, mm-hmm. you know? And then you fell into some other um, branches of that confusion, yeah. right? And... When you tour, you have the chance to really learn how to treat any kind of people, 
at any level and enjoy that moment because maybe you don't have any other um, someone offering a place to stay or, yeah, you know? And so you learn to navigate all sorts of different types of people. Um, I think the, the part that is very different um, about touring down there is just there's no access to reality like the streets or traveling at night stuff like that might be kind of like off the table in some places mm -hmm. because of it can be the political climate or it can be dangerous somehow it can be more um precarious you know yeah. that's something that really 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 got us when we came it was just like you can drive all night you can rent a van um down there is way more um wild west in that type of in that regard yeah um there's you know i think that it's pretty much that just looking at it like there's way less resources to certain things yeah you know especially things that are in a in a third world country many of these things will be luxuries mm -hmm. you know being able to dedicate yourself to play or uh, having access to in instruments that were made in the US you know and that m most of the times they were maybe way more expensive because let's say things like there's there's laws of that protects things that are made there and when you bring something from a different place you have to tax it differently oh yeah yeah or people that speculate like you're never gonna find this anywhere else so i'm gonna sell it probably in a way more expensive yeah because there's an added value to, to things so that type of things were the real differences. Um, but it's kind of like the same core, you know? Yeah, yeah. When when uh, me and my wife went to Japan, uh, we were there was like a day we went to like a, like a museum or uh, whatnot. And there was a point where we were kind of like, let's say it's like the suburbs, you know? And we went to a grocery store in Japan. And that was like the first time we were like outside of a major city. Yeah. And something as simple as like, there was a guy walking to his car with like, you know, with like a painter suit on. And it sounds so silly, but just to like, just to kind of like see something that just feels like an experience I've seen every day. Yeah. You know, because like, I feel like sometimes when you're in bigger cities, it's like, you're like, oh, big buildings or like hustle and bustle. But just to kind of like see, it's like, this is a guy that just got off work. 
Yeah. He went to the supermarket. He picked up food and he's just going out. And it's like, I, you know, I flew all halfway across or all the way across the world, yeah. world, you know, and I'm just seeing the same thing I would see every day. Yeah. yeah. And that's like something like that is just like, no matter where you are, there are differences, of yeah. course, but it's like, we're at the core of the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's just a guy that has to go to work. I, I gotta say there's certain, um, aspects to it. I, I really like the poetry behind things. Yeah. Uh, and when I say poetry, I don't mean literally, but more like, for instance, let's say the emo court era, right? Yeah. You looked at all of these people with their pants from Hot Topic, super skinny. Yeah. Down there, you will like try to make them yourself. Yeah. You know, just have skinny pants that look like Frankenstein pants yeah. or stuff like that. Um, that type of things make it so more romantic, you know. And, like, let's say you read a fan scene and you see some stuff. Mm -hmm. And not just with the clothing, but, like, with ideas or concepts or counterculture. Counterculture down there was like, in a certain aspects, way more militant than, yeah. you know, when we came here, it's like, bands are like, oh, let's go eat McDonald's. And we're like, oh shit, the punks eat McDonald's here? Yeah. Like, that's not a thing down there. And so, or when we got to Fest the first time, it's like, oh, everything's sponsored by PBR. It's like, oh fuck. It's like a punk festival sponsored by a beer yeah like and it's not just like a brewery but it's like like a national brand of beer so those things were like and then we understood like damn we're in a we're in a capitalist society you know in which reality is different um and things are made for you to consume these things that maybe down there were these things that people will speculate on. Like, oh, mm -hmm. this is from outside. You have to think about it like you'll find an, an Arizona tea, and if you make the change in the currency, you're paying like six bucks for it. Yeah. So yeah. it's like glorified, mm -hmm. romanticized, you know? For something that we just take for granted here. For something yeah. that it's really not. It's not even taking for yeah. granted even yeah. more than you would just be like it's a thing. Yeah, exactly. Return to tea. It's not. Yeah, it's like it's part of, you know, if if you're in struggling, this is what you get, you know, um, which is the same with the PBR thing, you know. We looked at it like, imagine it over there. A Heineken is like super expensive, right? Yeah, yeah. So just here you looking at all of these things it's like it felt in a way it felt very stimulating but we were open to understand you know mm -hmm. um so yeah it's, it's just like what it, i think my point is um something that is very different is that they really get passionate about anything from outside because they don't have the grasp of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and it, and that part is it's kind of nice. Yeah, I I think what's really interesting sometimes when I feel like like listening to music from other cultures, like their kind of interpretations of you know like let's say punk music or really whatever it is, they almost have to be more creative. And what it makes me think of is like when I was a kid, you didn't really technically know what punk was you kind of just assume and you start creating your own version of it yeah so like in a way like you know kind of getting these records that you know like you said like speculated and you get the record and so you're like well what is what is this and so you almost have to be more creative like in the u.s it's like there's things that just tell you what it is but i feel like potentially in other places or potentially even small towns in the u.s that don't have that information when i was a kid You know, because it's like we didn't have, like, a website to tell us what to think on something. Mm -hmm. You would go, like, well, I guess if I dress this way, I'm punk. And then you see some guy, and you're like, oh, I guess I was wrong. But, you know, but that's just all you know. You know? It's interesting. I We played in in Louisville, Kentucky for the first time early this year. And I had a conversation with a person from over there that uh, went to live in Argentina for a long time and speak fluent spanish and we got to talk about just growing up in bands and stuff and i think many places of the south and midwest might be very way more similar to what we were experiencing because you don't have it's not like a main town where all the bands were go through or, or stuff like that yeah. Um, so you're way more isolated and you just have an idea of things of the minimum that you can see. And it makes me circle back to the Mars Volta at first. I remember when I first listened to the Laos, I couldn't even understand what instrument was doing what. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes, but some other times it's like, I don't know if this is the keyboard, the guitar. Maybe it was the bass. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, percussion-wise, too. It's like, is this drummer has, like, ten arms? <laughs> yeah. What is happening? Um, but I really liked it. I Now that I've thinked on perspective, I think we started really changing and getting more and more progressive. After we saw our bandits playing there, our friend from that studio that we all hanged out, and actually, Eduardo opened up for them with this ska band. Uh-huh. He bring them over there, and they really liked it and keep on coming back. The singer will come back just to play by himself, and we were exposed to that. And that's when we were like, oh, this is made this way. You know, and it's like, oh, these drums are this way. Like, yeah. There's more than just the DB thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know how this connected to the whole thing, but I I think that's a really, really, like, um, important cornerstone of why we started to getting very, very into that weirdness 
Yeah, I think like as kids, it's like you would just sit there and listen to it. And like you were saying, like you just had to kind of like figure like, what's this? What's this? And then you're like figuring out how to apply it to your life. And like, how do I play like that? Or like, yeah. <laughs> or how many drummers? You just, you just don't know. Yeah. And like, you know, we're of an age where it's like we couldn't just Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so you just had to like make your own versions of it in your head yeah um and that just kind of goes into your dna i feel like and just makes you the person that, that you, you are, are. Yeah. and then all these you know almost 20 years after the fact you know it, it's it feels like it influences you know a record that you do just because yeah. you're like at a place in your life where you want to kind of look back and kind of like rethink about recontextualize yeah those experiences you've had throughout your life and like kind of like how it defines you as a person totally you know? so yeah you know i guess to sum it up in some way yeah. you know i think yeah. that's what we've been talking about yeah 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 no 100 yeah. percent. i hearing at a podcast from dan Ossie, from the sellout author um i don't know if he's talking to um, I think maybe the drummer of Trice. And there's a part in, they start to talk about uh, why people feel so passionate with a certain time or music that a band makes. And and um, Dan Ossie says something really interesting and he said, you know, you have to think about about it like most of these people that are punk followers or fans they're radical minded and they have these things that help them express their identity right like the patches or the jacket or certain things just certain staples of who you are mm -hmm. and you commit to a music and in the punk scene that becomes part of who you are and all of a sudden these people change and you feel like oh wait a minute this is not accurate with who i am and then you feel a certain entire entire man with mm -hmm. the yeah, music entitlement. yeah you know um you're like wait i didn't approve these i haven't talked to people like i maybe i have your name tattooed in my skin yeah haven't approved this change um which is interesting to think about it yeah i think sometimes when when a band changes and you feel like you imprinted onto a specific sound and when they change i think it potentially it's like well if they're changing then who am i yeah you know and i think that's probably what like dan ozzy is saying so you get like defensive about it because you're like if you're changing then like what is my reality? You yeah. Know? It's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's out of fear, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I've done it a ton of times, you know? Uh, sometimes the change isn't for you, but I, I think I try and be a little bit more open-minded than I was as a kid. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, most of the styles of music, um, there are like that half an, a, a philosophy and ideas behind it like punk or rap yeah. or you know just any 
style that it's like really like a political standpoint um you can see that it's more just an attitude and i think we're real realizing that more and more we're understanding that um punk is just it's not really a sound you yeah know? and i think Plenty of the things nowadays, the way that you connect to an artist is not just the musical part. The musical part is it's a big part, but it's also the story behind that artist that resonates with you. And most of the artists, they just tell their story through the music, you know? Um With, with rap and hip-hop, is even more powerful because it's way more lyrical. Mm -hmm. And you're just straight up listening to thoughts, yeah, concepts, ideas, you know? And so um, I think nowadays, more than ever, the genre isn't a thing, yeah, you know? And I don't know. I think we're kind of like getting more and more open to understanding the craft of the artist through the life of the artist and being able to appreciate other stuff, you know? Sometimes some changes are maybe not... Uh, some will be too much. You know, but some others are kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Like, for instance, talking about bands that are our friends and stuff, have like Gaucho Way. Mm -hmm. um, when we first moved, Danny saw them play and came back and told all of us, like, these bands really cool. And they were way more sludgy kind of like power violence a yeah. little bit. And then they put out this beautiful record. Yeah. And it was way different. Shoegazy, more, just way more different. I I kind of love it. I, yeah. You know, and I still album. love the, the things from before that, you know. And it was the same band. It wasn't even changing a genre. But, um... It's just a story behind the band, what I really appreciated. The attitude, the way of, I don't know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I super appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. I guess, like, I know we've said it a bunch in the, uh, in the recording, but I guess just let people know where to find you online and, you know, where yeah. they can pick up your new record. Um, we are... In every social media, we are join Seda, add join Seda, or maybe just whatever the social media is. For example, youtube.com slash join Seda. Mm -hmm. um, we're in all platforms. Seda is a very generic name. Yeah. It's a Greek letter. So, um, We have an avatar of two hands doing the letter Z. Yeah. 
It's like on a, on a purple background yeah. on the avatar. So, so that's, that. if you look that hands, it's us. Yeah. You know, um, we are everywhere. Active now in TikTok also. Yeah, I've been watching them <laughs> yeah, on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, last... I, I love being on TikTok now. I don't make a lot of videos, but I mean, I, it's fun. Yeah, like once yeah. you kind of train that algorithm and, you know, it was like, it's kind of whatever you what it kind of shines back your personality on yeah. i'm having fun with it and I i'm having fun videos. too and and also to be honest i've done it like two weeks being constant um and i've i've got i don't know like i think like a thousand followers in those two weeks wow before that we had like 90 followers and I will post things like once a week, maybe a month without touching it. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm doing it like daily, it's really cool. To get only like 50 followers on Instagram is a pain in the ass. It's such a pain. And so I think TikTok is it's so new. Mm-hmm. That people are like really enjoying and looking for things, and everybody's kind of nice. I don't know if you've seen the comments. People really like commenting stuff, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's nice. It's a it's a good um, tool. Yeah, I I really refused the most I could, but <laughs> I was the same way. Yeah, I was holding out, and I would just watch TikTok yeah. on my wife's phone. Like, I was like, I'm not going to download it, but I'm going to watch it on your phone. And then she would start yeah. sending me stuff, and then I was like, you know, it's like does it where it's like trying to get you to get the app, and that's how they got us. You know, and I was like, oh, I might as well get TikTok so I can see the yeah. ones my wife sent me. And now I just, you know, all yeah. the time. It's, I, it's just fun. You know? It's very fun, and I, I think I also was like kind of like reactive because I thought, that I had to do just the popular things. Like I was like, I don't, I don't know how to dance. I'm not gonna dance <laughs> in front of a camera. I don't see, I don't see dancing videos at, like anymore. Yeah, like, because, no, me yeah, neither. Yeah, and so um, I, I guess I didn't knew that there was so many interesting things. Yeah, you learn um, a lot. Yeah, I, I sometimes go in loopholes of really, really cool stuff like science and stuff and. But some other times, I'm like, I was telling to Lisa the other night, I was like, do you know what a back room is? <laughs> She's like, what? There's this entire thing about when it's like a video game, but in real life, you bleach in a, in a, in somewhere and you go through the back rooms of the things. <laughs> and so there's this whole thing and people go in type weird coordinates in google oh, and yeah, it will show yeah, you these yeah. weird pictures yeah you have to send me some of that because we follow each other but yeah i want to see what this is it's really not it's nothing um it feels mysterious but it's funny it's <laughs> just yeah and um i don't know i guess people is find weird places and and post the pictures like it's like a different dimension or something. <laughs> but it's like a endless loop of offices. Uh -huh. Or 
weird underground pools or yeah. stuff like that. Um, and there's a whole culture of it. There's this uh, French robot called Billy Le Robot, and he goes and into the back rooms and interview creatures. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks yeah, so yeah, much. yeah. Of course. Thank, well. Thanks to you. Welcome back. Thanks again to Juan for coming on the pod. Don't forget to check out Zeta's newest album, Toto Bailarlo, out now on Skeletal Lightning Records. Okay, next time on the pod, we're talking with my longtime friend, Tony Weinbender of The Fest. So we talked about Avail's 1994 album, Dixie. So tune in next week and check that out. Once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pod. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do that sort of thing. Reviews definitely help. Also, check out your local abortion access funds. Go to donations, the number four, abortion.com. Okay, before I let you go, thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. See you next week. <laughs>